Wraparound with Grace, Alessia, and Marjorie. I'd like to take a moment and say goodbye to Marc-Andre Fleury and the Vegas Golden Knights. That's why you wanted to intro the show. That's why I wanted to intro the show, Marjorie. Oh my God. You, well, got to say, you got to say goodbye to Carter Hart and the Philadelphia Flyers. So it's only fair that I get my shining moment <sighs> say goodbye to Flower and the Golden Knights. Because I really thought, I really thought this was going to be not their year, but kind of their year. What? Well, you guys know, I, my Stanley Cup picks were Tampa over Vegas, so I thought they'd yeah, at least sure. make it to the final. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't think they'd win it. But I mean, they let those boys in green win, and I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, ever since I think we started seeing how the Stars were playing, I don't think, I don't think we, I don't think Vegas could stand a chance yeah. against them. I think it was really Boy. hard. But now I've joined the Losers Club with <laughs> join the club the, where all of my teams are it's out. a welcoming space over here we're <laughs> anyway, not bitter whatsoever marjorie take it away that's all i wanted to do was have a respectful moment i was going to play in the arms of an angel but then i realized that we would get copyrighted really quickly yes. so yep didn't get and we want that. this episode to be shown to I, the world i was gonna sing it and then i sung it for paul earlier and she was like grace don't do that so i didn't and, no. and uh yeah. Thank anyway, you, Paula. Marjorie. <laughs> you saved me and Alessia's ears from that. Even though we all know that Grace thinks she has the voice of an angel. <laughs> I'm so offended right now. <laughs> wow. Uh, but anyway, guys, welcome back to another episode of the wraparound. We gave Grace our little moment, her little moment, I mean, you know, it's a big loss for her. And I think it's a big loss for everybody. Vegas was a really great team throughout the playoffs, but Alas, they could not make it because of those pesky men in green, just as Grace said. But luckily, since she mentioned it, that's going to be our very first segment of this week's show. We're going to talk about Vegas. See, I said next for Vegas. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I'll be sending you flowers as part of my gratitude. It wasn't like I was talking about granola bars or something. (laughs) Can you imagine? Hey I would have been. I would have been. This upset. week, we're gonna talk about my favorite kind of granola bars. <laughs> but either way, we're gonna be talking about what's next for ba- Vegas, um, what they need to do in order to continue that cup contending team that they do have, and yeah, maybe some free agency things. There's so many things to talk about. But first, let's get started on goaltending. Vegas is goaltending. So what? they need to answer the very obvious question of who's going to be their starting goaltender next season as we all know from especially right now from grace telling us you know they have Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard so Leonard will become a UFA um I guess now or starting when this season finishes whatever but he will become a UFA and he started 14 out of their 17 playoff games and finished with a 1.85 goals against average a 0.920 save percentage and four shutouts I refuse to believe that he's that good which is insane I did not think that those were the numbers he posted it's kind of crazy that he has a 1.85 goals against average I'm actually mad about it that's, like now I'm like, whoa, that's such good stats, but now I'm actually mad about it. So <laughs> Yeah, because 
with those kind of numbers yeah with those kinds of numbers you're obviously going to kind of lean towards Leonard aren't you I can't in good conscience and unbiasedly say (laughs) that Marc-Andre Fleury should be the starter next year because he I can't do it (laughs) I was gonna try and defend him and then I was like no there's no way there's no way to do it so listen I think I think if they let him go, it's kind of sad because, you know, when Vegas entered the NHL, he was kind of like the face mm-hmm. of that team. So it's kind of, I guess, for Vegas fans, it's going to be sad if they do decide to part ways with him. Listen, That's what I'm thinking. Flurry turns 36 this November. He's, he's getting pretty, you know, oldie up there. You know, there's not a lot of time left for him. He has two years left on his contract. Each year, he's earning around $7 million, which is a pretty hefty number. She'd be hefty. (laughs) That's a good amount to be earning yearly. But he does turn 36, so. I mean, yes, they still have him for another two years. But is is it really worth keeping him for those other two years, especially since he'll be 38? And Leonard is 29. Okay. So Leonard's pretty much in the prime of his career, which is pretty apparent. Let me look this up here. So I'm on Cap Friendly. They signed him in 2018. They signed Marc-Andre Fleury in 2018 to this whopper of a contract, which makes sense. One second, I'm using my super awesome Googling skills. (laughs) As you can tell, we're very well-researched on this show. (laughs) So, considering that they signed him, that was his first contract with the Golden Knights. Well, yeah, because, like, they were just doing a league. So, considering that they signed him for $21 million for three years in their first contract shows how much hope they had for him. Mm -hmm. And how they really wanted him to be a long-term starting goaltender. Mm -hmm. So it is really upsetting that he can't. But now, back to my super awesome Googling skills. When did they sign Robin Leonard? Well, didn't they acquire him? Yes. But what is his, what's his contract look like? So he has three years at... $2,700,000. I almost couldn't read numbers there for a second. (laughs) It's been a really long week. I was like, whoa, is that a billion? Oh my god. Um, Got really excited about that one. Um, So safe to say he's underpaid at the moment. He's definitely going to be getting a raise. Yes. That's incredible. And so Um, I was, um, when I was researching, yes, she's a liar. His current contract is $5 million. It's, no, it can't be. Yeah, it is. He's on a standard contract, one year with Chicago. He signed free agency last year, yeah. and Vegas acquired him this year. So he's on $5 million But doesn't right Chicago still retain some of his contract? Yes, they do. Then that's why. he re- They retain 50%. Then so, that's why. So, so yeah. He's still so, making $5 million a year. So he's not underpaid. He's just... No. It's just that Vegas yeah. is not paying him what no. he should be paid technically in the full amount and so, so very obviously they were getting him but didn't want to pay full value for him yeah it was meant to be a backup but here we are 
So for them to re-sign Leonard, they're going to have to make a little bit more space because, you know, only paying half a contract is only paying half a contract, you know? As we know, because the Leafs are still paying part of Phil Castle's contract. And we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that mess. <laughs> and we're not talking about that. Let's move on. <laughs> so can Vegas afford them both? Do you guys think Vegas could afford them both? No. No, I don't think so. I think it'd be kind of ridiculous for them to pay Flurry seven mil, and let's just say they keep paying Leonard the five mil together. I think that's just not feasible for them. I don't think it's it's the perfect option for them, especially what I was saying that Flurry is getting a little bit older. I just don't think it's a smart option. And I believe right now Vegas has five million dollars in cap space. So not only do they have to sign Leonard, they also have guys like Stevenson and Cousins who are RFA. So you can't just be looking at the goaltend. You also have to look at the other players that they're trying to sign this offseason. And guys like Cousins and Stevenson are making just about one million. They were making about one million each last season. So that might go up. Oh, that's I hope so. <laughs> That's little money for hockey like, players. That's almost criminal, especially for Nick Cousins, who was like a staple in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think it's just, it's sad to see that Flurry eventually probably does have to go. But realistically, in order to keep uh, Vegas's future, you know, you know, just alive and like, just keep it like, as like even a question for them to get to the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs, they have to um, they have to stick. I think with the younger goaltender, especially, you know, they owe it to him because he did play so well for for them. He was one of the many f- reasons as to why they stayed in the playoffs for so long. So I think realistically, they have to go with Leonard. You know, we all know and love Flurry, but then here's my little hopeful self coming out. It's okay. taking a lot for me to talk about this so so nicely. <laughs> Leonard's a UFA. He could mm-hmm. very much decide not to sign in Vegas, which that means they'd have to keep Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. So where do you think he would go if he decide not, decided not to sign in Vegas? Who, I Leonard? Mean, so yeah, m- Leonard. There's so many teams looking for a goaltender. Like The options are like endless almost in the league. But also the thing is, there might be so many teams looking for a goaltender, but there are so many goalies right now in the market. It's kind of ridiculous. And I'm, we're going to speak about this a little bit later on in the episode. But at the same time, it's, it's hard to compete with other top goaltenders. You know, I feel like a lot of teams would be seeking Leonard out and like no doubt. But there's a, quite a few goaltenders right now. Actually, getting back to that point, I'm going to ask you, Grace. Okay, so let's just say, let's just oh God, say, Leonard. There's a questions episode today. <laughs> I'm so let's just say, like, let's go with with your scenario. So Leonard doesn't sign with Vegas. Flurry's still with Vegas. Do you think Vegas would go out and try and acquire a starting goaltender and leave Flurry as the backup with the way he played this season, or do we do we let him get the starting goalie responsibilities? I feel like realistically, there's no way that Vegas, because it wasn't just a goaltender problem in the playoffs. Um, it was like a Fair. whole team problem. I don't think they're going to make it that far in the playoffs next year or even make the playoffs. So honestly, for them to keep Flurry around as a starter goaltender, it, it wouldn't be that big a loss. Just because like the team in front isn't doing that great either. 
Because, I mean, like, this this playoffs, they did they did good. I mean, they got pretty far. Yeah, so. of course. They were fine. You could just, like, especially in this past round against Dallas, they really, they weren't there. They weren't there mentally. Yeah. They weren't ready. So, it's kind of like this team has been in the playoffs for three years in a row. Like, their first year. Um, mm-hmm. And they're an expansion team. Like, they're new. So, that's something else we have to remember. We're this they're not even supposed to be this good going to the stanley cup playoffs wasn't supposed to be a thing for them until probably this year mm-hmm. like at the earliest so i don't think it would be the biggest loss for them to have to keep flurry um and they could take their time to acquire a good starting goaltender or a new goaltending team uh because next year i, I really don't see them going that that far yeah i I feel like the smartest option, once again, would probably be Leonard. I feel like if they let him do free agency, I think it'd be kind of a waste of everybody's time because then you have to find another goaltender. You have to sign them. There has to be bridge deals. There's just so many things that come with like letting him go into free agency. So the best option is to kind of just trade Flurry and uh, get that cap space and then give Leonard what he obviously deserves. So then speaking on, so just, going off of what Grace said about how the team um, is was playing poorly just overall, like, you know, forwards, defensemen, everything, we're just going to go into now what the team needs to do on, to do to kind of learn from their mistakes and move on and improve for next year. So first and foremost, they performed very poorly offensively. They only managed to score six goals in five games, which is kind of funny to me because that's just such a low low number um and the forwards need to improve and show what they're worth you know max pacioretty was not obviously producing as much as he should uh there's just so many players that didn't show up and they didn't produce what they should have been producing so i don't know what you guys have to say about that I kind of I, I said what I had to say about it already. It's, <laughs> yeah, it was very disappointing to see them go from like really having a shot to kind of just not being there because, like you said, six goals in five games in the playoffs—that's not good, especially no. against Mm-mm. Dallas, a team where like now that people are looking at them, they're thinking, "Oh yeah, they should definitely be here." But three months ago, oh god, yeah, you wouldn't have thought that. No, and. And it's not like Dallas is, like, scoring crazy amounts of goals either. Like, it's not like they have, like, a big offensive threat. But, like, they just – at the end of the day, I think they just played better. Like like I wrote here, they, Vegas only had eight rush attempts compared to Dallas's 16 and generated only 15 rebounds compared to, uh, to their 28 from the Vancouver series and 25 from the Chicago series. So that's a very, like, significant loss. You can't just go from having 28 rebounds, 25 rebounds, to all the way to 15 rebounds. You know, you're not generating enough uh, offensive chances to get your team going. And without those rebounds, you – you barely have any opportunity to score goals and actually have a decent lead so you can actually win these games. So I think what Vegas needs to do, I think they just need to get their top store, uh, stars in, um, in that kind of playoff mentality. You know, even though they were playing well before, they still need to learn how to produce in these high performance games. But once again, 
Dallas was playing, you know, a great game defensively, and especially Anton Kudobin, who we're also going to be speaking about, he was just ridiculous, insane. Um, they just couldn't get through him. He made some really, really great saves. Um, there isn't much to say there, honestly. I think, like, just to drive that point home, here's, like, the reason why I like Vegas is because they're a fun team. That's one of the reasons why they became my, my secondary team, whatever. It's because they're a fun team to watch. And in this past round especially, they didn't have that. And I don't know if it's because they're not in their regular environment with their fans, with the pregame shows, because they are, they're, it's Vegas. So... I don't know if that was it, but they really just lost that that fun spark for me. And that's one thing that I think they definitely need to get back. Like you said, they need to get back in that mentality of being a a fun team. Fun sounds such like such an immature way <laughs> to describe it, but like I feel like that's the only way to really like capture what Vegas is about or what that team's been about. No, I, I completely agree because when you watch Vegas games their their interaction with the with the audience and the fans is just it you can't compare it to any other team and you know their home stadium and stuff like that they always have so many games so many interactive activities for the fans you know they're always pumping up the uh, the players so of course that's obviously a significant loss because a lot of the players feed off of that attention and feed off of that you know enthusiasm and that drive so I can understand why they probably weren't as fun to watch, but what I always say is that if you can't perform without those things, then you really have to take a step back and look at your overall performance because good players should be able to perform under any kind of circumstance. And so realistically, I think this is just kind of in an internal issue within the dressing room, players just figuring out, what they need to do in order to improve themselves. I don't think there has there, there needs a lot to be done, but I think players just need to get back into that mentality, like I said, so they can actually get through and actually not have these, these stumps that they go through that actually pro- prohibit them from going on. So with that being said, <laughs> we're gonna move on to the Dallas Stars. We were talking about Anton Kudobin and how ridiculous he's been playing. Um, so we're just going to take a deeper look into the stars because when I was researching them and I was looking into how their season began, I was kind of like flabbergasted. I could not believe that they were playing so poorly. They only managed to win one game in their opening nine and were outscored 30 to 17. They are not supposed to be here. No, whatsoever. (laughs) Nothing at all. Like it's, it's insane. And then after the dismissal of their other, like their head coach, Jim Montgomery, the stars went 20, 13 and five under interim head coach, Rick bonus, who's obviously the head coach right now. But before the NHL paused play, Dallas was on a six game losing streak and was 25th overall in the league. There's only 31 teams. So that's pretty poo-poo if you that's ask me. Not good. <laughs> that is no bueno. And to think that they're in the finals hurts my whole soul <laughs> it's it's crazy like how i don't know how you can just completely do a 180 and just surprise everybody 
That's like one of those scenarios though where it's like take everything you know about hockey and flush it down the drain because they yeah. don't they don't exist in it. They just yeah. defying everything. Exactly. And so basically when I read statistics like this, I kind of like, okay, so what are they doing now that's making them such a great team? And we're gonna we have to start off with a strong goal tell goaltending. Like you just cannot get past that. You know, in order to see how the Dallas Stars got to where they are right now, if you were to completely ignore Anton and Kudobin, then you'd be ignoring their whole playoff run. Okay, it's wait. Just... Uh, Alessia, was this your Stanley Cup pick? No. No, it wasn't. Was this no, your remember final she, pick? Remember she chose Colorado. No, but I had... That. I had... No. I thought you had <laughs> Dallas. I, I had Colorado and Dallas playing against each other and Colorado winning in seven games to go to the Stanley cup finals and then to win it in seven games. But unfortunately, (laughs) and so many people had Colorado as a Stanley cup, like favorite Mm -hmm. and it just didn't happen. But I don't know, like I always thought even last year, I thought Dallas was a pretty good team. There were some things that they had to do, like just to get better in terms of offense and defense. Um, but I don't know. This regular season, they weren't too great. I think maybe it was just finding some answers in the room. Mm-hmm. The head coach change obviously did some good. And now mm-hmm. Hudobin, I Honestly, I don't know how to pronounce his name because when I'm watching the, the sports cast, like Sportsnet, <laughs> I hear Hudobin. And then some people say Kudobin. So I yeah, that, that's why I'm Kudobin. saying Kudobin. Because <laughs> I hear people I say Kudobin. So I'm like, okay, it's Kudobin. <laughs> but You've seen during these playoffs that the coaching staff, like, they're putting their confidence and trust in him. And he's been lights out for Dallas. And like you said, he's one of the main reasons that they've gotten this far. And you also have to mention Mira Heiskinen, who has, who's leading the team in points for the playoffs with 22. And he's a defenseman. He's not even a forward at that age leading a team. Is that what we call an offensive defenseman? Defenseman? <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. When I was also looking up those things, I was like, their defensemen have been producing so much compared to their, like, offensemen. You know, they've been just a – or offensemen? Offense forwards question mark <laughs> we're too tired <laughs> whatever you guys know what i'm saying but their defensemen have been producing a lot and so in order to keep in order to, i guess to support kudobin and his you know his amazing 12 6 and 0 record his 2.62 goals against average his 0.920 save percentage you know you have to play a great defensive game you know you know we can give kudobin all the props and everything but you know, I'm sure he would also say that none of this could have, could have been possible without his great defenseman in front of him, his great blue line. So I think it's also big props to their top-level defenseman. And like Alessia said, Miro Hiskinen, or Miro Hiskinen. Once again, we're not very good with names on this show. Miro Hiskinen. <laughs> At this Hiskinen, age. I think. That's, I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> oh, sorry, you guys know I'm not good with these names. <laughs> but in order for him to produce so much at such a young age it's great and um like alessia said again they've put so much faith in kudobin he started every game for dallas since the colorado series but even then he played five out of the six games against calgary 
So this guy has been like nonstop and he's not tired, which is astounding Yet. to me. <laughs> Don't. Okay, we're not going to jinx him. <laughs> Knock on wood. But um, also John Klingberg also has 16 points in 20 games. And I know I put Jamie Alexiak here. He only has seven points in 21 games, but he did have a like a plus minus of plus five. And sometimes, sometimes when you look at the stats, the stats don't say everything. So when we're talking about Jamie Alexiak, yeah, he might have seven points in 21 games, but it's also what he's doing on the ice. And there's so many players that you can list in the NHL where like, you know, their points are not putting up the best of points, but they're doing so much on the ice. So that's probably why we have Jamie Alexiak there too. Exactly. And John Klingberg as well. He's great. I think I mentioned this last episode. He's great at walking the line and he creates a lot of plays at the blue line. So there is the goaltending that's been great, but the defense and the young defensemen that we spoke about um, are doing a lot as well. Well, and like Alessia said, like with Jamie Alexiak, yeah, sure, stats aren't there. But like if you listen to the broadcast, that's the one name you hear repeatedly, like yeah. throughout the whole game. So he, his presence on ice is incredible, even though his stats aren't really there. But, okay, everybody used to get mad at me when I used plus-minus stats. Okay. I don't love plus-minus stats because, like, the NHL's rules with plus-minus stats is, like, really, really weird. Like, they'll ca- sometimes they'll count a goal, sometimes they won't. But in this situation, I thought it was fitting because even though he does not have a lot of points, he obviously is uh, all over the ice helping his team even if he's not producing. So I feel like, I feel like sometimes it's important to include those stats because I love it helps. Plus minus. It helps <laughs> tell, it helps like, it helps you tell a story better and helps you explain a situation better. So that's why I included it. So anyone who doesn't like plus minus stats, please don't yell at me. But I thought it would help me or help us explain um, why I put it there. In the Is it first. time? Okay. Yes, yes. Is it time? It's time. It's, time. it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the way. Oh my god. <laughs> we should come up with a jingle. Can you imagine? Like a sound effect. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. We totally need to do that. Using all those new audio skills to make a make a way jingle. Yes, please. I'll like we can <laughs> volunteers, please. DM us. We need your voice for this. If you're good at doing audio and you got a lot of sound effects, just DM us. Just Although we are editor very, under the bus. Very good producer. Great All of Alessia's audio. content is going to be cut out of this episode. We Where's can't. Alessia? Nobody knows. You cut me off. I was saying good things about you. Saying... <laughs> but honestly, uh, out of us three, Grace is the best at audio. I thank you very much. Know. I really appreciate it. I can't. It. I don't even have the Pro Tools <laughs> application on my laptop. I don't do anything audio. I just speak. Just if you can, if you can sing and you got a good idea for a way jingle, just give us a shout. Let us know. We will use it. We'll pay you in the form of cookies. We'll we'll pay you in the form of respect. Yes. That's the best kind of payment anybody can ever receive. But we're going off track here. So let's keep on going. (laughs) So our way. She said it. Of the week. No, just just way. The way, way is. The way is. Okay, so the way is, did the Washington Capitals make the right move in signing head coach Peter LaViolette? I love saying his last name. So, Alessia, please tell us our results. 
So on Instagram, 75% of people said yes, 25% said no. On Twitter, 71% said yes, and 29% said no. So pretty even. I mean, I mean like, yeah. I mean, like, even, yeah. Like, yeah, you know what I meant. Not even in results, but like, I mean, each Both platform platforms was, had yes. uh, similar results. Yes. I'm sorry. I can't explain myself very well. <laughs> These two girls understand me the most. That's why I say the way I say it. <laughs> We got it. We're good. But yeah, so I I think I expected people to pretty much say yes. Yeah, I flipped it around a little bit. I did the same thing I did like two weeks ago or something. I voted yes on Twitter, which was my actual opinion. And then I voted no on Instagram because I, I really just, I felt like it. You I, need to I stop wanted, doing that. I wanted to split the water a little bit, you know? I oh just wanted God. to be like, here, let's spice it up. Oh my God. Um... I don't know. I mean, I was surprised that they signed him because I saw that they they had other coaches in the running, like Mike Babcock and stuff like that, which I was like, uh, I don't know if you kind of want him. Well, they had coach. Mike Babcock and also Gerard Gallant, which yeah. I was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have mind to see Gerard Gallant behind the bench, but you know, I think Peter Laviolette was the the right choice. I think so too. He, and so that leads into my next question. So how does Laviolette fit with this Washington Capitals team? We all know that the Washington Capitals are more of a veteran team. They have older players, you know, not relatively young, but, you know, veteran players that play really, really well. Obviously Ovechkin, TJ Oshie, there's so many great players on that team. So how does Laviolette fit into this team who did not perform well this season? Well, I think they wanted, mainly they wanted a coach that can push the older players. Look, we all know, like you said, like Marjorie mentioned, it's a veteran team. You're seeing their Stanley Cup window close Mm -hmm. now. Like it's getting tighter and tighter to make a series. So they wanted a coach to come in and push whatever was left or whatever is left in those older players so that they can make a push and, you know, go for, go further in the playoffs than they did this season. I don't know if I'm, if I'm alone in this opinion, but I think that window for them is already shut. Like, I mean, it could, shut, it, hardcore. I think it's close. I think it's very close to being shut. I don't, I, I don't, I'm sure people agree with you, Grace. I, I think I, I'm more siding with Alessia. I don't think it's completely shut just yet, just because I feel like some of the, I feel like the team has just a little bit left in them in order to get uh, where they have been before. Um, obviously, by hiring La Violette, I think it adds a little bit more uh, power and, like, let's say, juice to the team in order to get where they were. I feel like if they had stuck with Todd Reardon, I think that window would have been like completely shut a hundred percent because he was not motivating the team whatsoever from all the reports that I was reading. He was not like a, a figure that I guess the team could really rely on. And uh, I don't think a lot of the players really supported him and the way he was handling the coaching. And so with Peter Laviolette, I think everyone knows that he's, one of those head coaches that really pushes his players. You know, he tells them exactly what he wants from them. He encourages players. He makes a really great, I was reading this. He makes a really, he has a, he does a really good job at creating a a good culture within the, the fitting room. And so I feel like by bringing him on and hopefully connecting 
the older players, especially Ovechkin to La Violette, I think it'll just re-energize the team and hopefully get them back, not get them completely back to where they were, because I think that's impossible to get them to where they were a couple years ago uh, when they were all kind of in their prime stages of their career. Um, but I think it at least gives them like the, like the slightest chance or opportunity to at least contend for the cup. That, that's the thing. And I don't want their window to be shut. Like they're the Washington <laughs> Capitals. They're, yeah. they're almost always good. But after being in that mindset with a coach who doesn't encourage you, who doesn't create a good culture in the dressing room, are they going to be able to switch that fast? Like that would be my next question. Is it going to be a total shock to the team where they, they won't be able to work together for a season because they can't, um, they're not used to it yet. Or is Laviolette going to jump in there and all of a sudden just mesh this super awesome team together and bring out Stanley cup contenders. Cause I mean, I f- yeah, they, they still have talent, but. I feel like he could, I mean, obviously it's going to take some time. Anytime there's a new person in the locker room, the team has to adjust, but I think he, I think he has the ability to do that. He's, I read a bit about him and the one thing that the organization said is that they needed a coach to basically hold players accountable when they're not playing their best. And we know the superstars that are on, on Washington, Ovechkin being one of them, one of the biggest ones on there. And Peter Laviolette is the type of coach that he, he can bring discipline, but he's also a player's, like, you know, when they say a player's coach. Yeah. So you got, you have the two sides to him. That's why when I'm looking at the options that they had, Mike Babcock, as we all know, he's more of that discipline type of coach. So if they would have brought in someone like him, I don't, I, like like Grace said, I don't think it would have been a quick transition. But I think Peter Lavulette is a good fit. And he's known for, for being a player's coach. But also, you know, if something's not going right, he's going to hold those players accountable and push them and motivate them, which which was what Washington was lacking because we all saw Washington, how good they were. And we thought even, when was it? I don't know which episode it was. We were saying, yeah, we think Washington's going to pass the Islanders. And it just, nothing was clicking nothing was clicking we thought everybody was gonna pass the islanders (laughs) they're gonna play a game seven in like 20 minutes so um but yeah um i think and like i completely agree with everything i think i think it's important for the capitals to actually have a coach that really cares about the players and not just about i guess executing games I think it's important to have a healthy mixture of both. And clearly we've seen that when he coached with uh, the Predators, the Predators were a great team. They were playing really great games, you know, a couple seasons ago, he did a great job with that team. And so I think he'll be, he'll do, I think he'll do a good job with the Capitals. I think the Capitals first mistake was hiring Todd Reardon because they thought that he would be like Barry Trotz. I think that was their first mistake because obviously Todd Reardon came from, you know, uh, Barry Trotz's, um, what's it called? His team. Help me with hockey words. His coaching staff. There we go. Thank you. I helped myself on that one. The look of panic is incredible. I was like, I was like, hockey words, what are they? Uh, but I think that was their first mistake. Um, I don't think you can ever guarantee that, you know, an assistant coach will be like the head coach that they worked for. 
And I think we see that with Dallas. I think, you know, he's doing something completely different in order to get them to where they are. But I think it's really good that the Capitals decided to kind of clear house in that management staff in order to kind of not rebuild the team, but rebuild their management in order to get their team back to where they were or close to where they were. Of course. I think when it comes to the playoffs, it's important that leadership in the locker room in terms of players, they're motivating the players around them. But Mm -hmm. sometimes we kind of dismiss the fact that if you don't have a coach that's motivating you to do better, that can have a huge toll on the success of your team. And like, like we all said, the complete, the compete level for Washington just wasn't there. The structure, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, they were very inconsistent, in, inconsistent in the aspects of their game. So they definitely, this was the right decision to make a coaching change because there are some good players on Washington and if they can put the pieces together, they can do just fine. Oh yeah. I think you made an excellent point that I think a lot of us forget that if your head coach isn't uh, performing at his best, then how do you expect your players to perform at their best? And I'm going to use this example and I don't know how Grace is going to feel about it, but (laughs) but we're going to talk about coming. We're going to talk about Mike Babcock. It's, it's, I, I feel it's pretty much the exact same thing. You know, he did not create a good culture within that, um, that fitting room. He, we all know he had his favorites he obviously had players that he did not like as much and i think players at one point just stopped trusting him and you could totally see that in the way that the Leafs played and um there was just no getting through so i think it's kind of that same situation that if you can't speak to your coach and tell him about what's bothering you especially a captain then the success of your team is going to go all the way down you know what, Marjorie? I spent I spent so long healing. <laughs> I, I, I took so much time. It took so much work on myself. I'm sorry. And every episode, you just you have to bring these feelings back. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just I'm so angry all over again. First and foremost, we're hockey analysts. And we can't if I find a good comparison, I have to say it. Yeah, I was going to mention, but I'm like, oh, Grace, Grace is not going to like that. So let me take a step back. I here. have to say it. What other coach can you think in the last year or two that you can compare to the situation? Thank you. Let's move on. <laughs> Thank you. I don't like this. <laughs> I mean, so- it just further proves that having a coach that, yes, can bring the discipline, but also be a player's coach is really important because we know Mike Babcock I don't know he just to me what I saw he wasn't really a player's coach. no he, he definitely wasn't he 100% wasn't um I think a lot of Toronto fans were either like totally for Mike Babcock or completely against but towards the end towards the end of that Leaf season or not towards the end towards the end of his tenure with the Leafs you can see that the Leafs, the players were just like, I'm not going to listen to you. And that's, that's the end of it. So I shake my cane at Mike Babcock. <laughs> I'm like, get off my lawn. Yeah. And so, and I feel like once again, with the players type of coach, um, 
just seeing like, let's say Rick bonus, you know, even though he's the interim head coach for the Dallas stars, if you see him on that bench, he's like, he has such a good demeanor to him. And I can't remember, I think it was in the, obviously the last game. No, the second last game against uh, Vegas, he was trying to calm his team down because yes. they were all yelling at the ref and he was telling them like, just be quiet. Like, you know, just calm down. Like, don't make a big deal out of it. And he, then he kept a straight face and then he was so happy when he won that game and he was celebrating with the players. He was having fun and it's not too much fun where it's like in your face, but like he was just genuinely happy that he won the game. And so I think whenever there's a coach like that, where like, he knows how to have fun and he knows how to communicate with his players and his players aren't ignoring him and they're like, Ugh, like, don't talk to me. I think that's always a good sign. And I think that's exactly what Peter Laviola is going to bring to that team. I don't think he's obviously going to show as much emotion because I don't think I ever remember seeing Laviolette like be like super ecstatic and like you know pumping fists with his players but I think he's going to bring that kind of same demeanor and hopefully hopefully the veterans you know take a liking to him and that way they can then encourage their teammates and be like you know what he's a great guy you know we can get through this and he's gonna he's gonna let's just say take us to another Stanley Cup win. I've come up with another example you could use. Tell us, enlighten us with your research. John Tortorella. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm bowing out. Okay, but was John Tortorella fired? No, but should he be? Okay. There's another question. I think we found think our way John, for the I next think week. John Tortorella is like disciplined, like Mike Babcock somewhat. When but you're he's also at your players I mean, on the bench. But I think that's just his way of motivating his players. It's not nice to see, like, with the whole Pierre-Luc Dubois thing. It's, no. it's, it's really not nice to see. Um, but then you saw Pierre-Luc Dubois answer, like, talking back to him. And, I mean, when I saw that, I'm just like, okay, this is I, – I guess it's just his way of motivating his players. Yeah, I feel like it's just kind of part of that team now. I feel like with this John Tortorella era, any player that is now added to that Blue Jackets team, I think they just have to know that that's the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of coaching that they're going to be getting from him. I think if I mean, I don't know, I feel like you have to be like really really strong and not give in in order to hear him scream at you. I feel like if a grown man screamed at me, I'd be <laughs> crying and running the other way. But that's just because I'm very sensitive. <laughs> if I was a player, I think I'd still be like a little hurt because as a player, you want to be obviously your best and you want to excel. And when you're hearing those kind of comments from your head coach, obviously it's going to take a toll on you and your ego and so on. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like John Torrell, I think it's a special situation. I'm just, I'm so sorry. But when you said I'm so sensitive, it like it popped up in a text bubble above your head with the two little sparkle emojis beside the word sensitive. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I think yeah, there's special. like, there's something like, there's, it's like a special situation with John yeah, Torrell. Like, I mean, like Alessia said, it's not nice to see. Like when I saw him screaming up Pierre-Luc Dubois, I was like, I was like, hmm, that's not very nice. But um, 
I think it works. It works. Yeah, it works. I think it works for that for their team. Obviously, Pierre Luc Dubois did not take it in the way that we took it, and he was like, you know what, I'm fighting you back on this, which is obviously awesome to see because you want strong players who will obviously stand up for themselves and for their team. But it's a special situation. I mean, we could talk about like John Torella for hours and hours and hours. I think I don't think a lot of people give him flack for what he does. I think people just know that that's that's who he is. But at the same time, I feel like people still like him, though. With Mike Babcock, not a lot of people liked him. Especially that whole situation that came out with him making, what was it, Mitch Marner write that list of all the players he thought that were underperforming. So. (laughs) Sorry, I hear that now and I can't help but laugh at it because it's so so bad. So he definitely did not earn any points there. (laughs) If you want to be a disciplined coach and you want to earn your players' trust, it's the way you're disciplining your players. Mm-hmm. So John Tortorella, he can discipline his players, but those players might, they still want to play for him because it's the way he tries to push them. Whereas maybe Mike Babcock, yeah, he's, he disciplines his players, but it's the approach he takes that maybe kind of puts the players down. That's just exactly. like, I don't know. That's like what I'm feeling. I feel like, I feel like that was what he did was like fear tactics and like stuff like that things to kind of get you um scared kind of like fighting for that spot that you have on the team and I don't think any player should really ever be fighting for a spot on their team I think the reason why you're on your team is because you deserve to be on it and there's a reason why someone put you there so I don't think your head coach should be questioning or at least make you question why and so I don't know we're way off track here. <laughs> but it, it's one of our favorite times of year. And I say one of because we have about seven. But it, it's trade time and free agency time. Free agency. Yeah. Free That's agency. In like 20 days or something. It's my favorite time because I talk about and the numbers. Oh, and the draft. Oh, my God. I completely forgot. Thank you. I will be writing that in the draft show. Is my, is my favorite time because I love junior hockey. If Anybody didn't know that? You probably all do. And quick um, junior hockey it. news. The, uh, the AAHF World Junior Championships is going to be in an Edmonton bubble this year, and my life is so good right now. Which is so great. I'm so happy. I love keeping the game in Canada, and it's super exciting that they're going to be using that Edmonton bubble. So, Because obviously it works. It, it 100% works. works, and um, why wouldn't it? NFL. They? Uh, uh, MLB. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that. You, <laughs> you were. <laughs> we're all yeah, thinking the same thing here. <laughs> yeah, junior <laughs> hockey, it's back. I'm about to become a whole different person. I'm December, so excited. December 26 is the day I live for. It is not Boxing Day. It is World Junior Championship Day. Yes, and honestly. Is. Sometimes, and Grace will probably agree with me, I find world junior hockey sometimes more exciting than NHL hockey. It's junior just, hockey is else. so much so better good. than NHL it's hockey. It's something I else. mean, I'm not like Grace. I don't watch OHL hockey, but just watching the world juniors, it's, it's so exhilarating. I don't know. I always enjoy those games so much. Like, I'll even watch random games, even games that Canada's not playing. I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is such an interesting game. And I don't well, do that with many NHL games. The NHL is so copy and paste. Yeah. It's like the same game every time. So even if you, you don't miss much if you miss a game. Whereas yeah. junior hockey is so messy. That's what I love about it. It's just, and- it's so messy. Hi, sorry, that's my fire alarm. 
<laughs> amazing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it is very messy. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah okay uh, the nhl is very copy and paste because if you see and if you watch junior games i know we're off my <laughs> script here and we're off script but if you canada has a different playing style than sweden sweden has a different playing style than russia Russia has a different playing style than Finland. It all might be the same funda- fundamentals, but they all have their own little twist. If yeah, that makes any sense. And that's a gr- that's actually like a really great point. And I think that's that's why I think we all enjoy watching uh, junior hockey so much. It's going to be so exciting. It's exciting to know that they are sticking with the schedule and they got this resolved so early on. Um, which is perfect because you never want to leave anything to the last minute, which is exactly what the MOB did. And so like, November, I think it was like the 20 something for training camps. And I'm like injected into my veins. I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm like, just so give ready. me all the prospects right now. I need the junior <laughs> hockey in my life. <laughs> so it'll be exciting to watch. And I have no idea how we even got to this subject, but we'll be moving back. <laughs> And we thought, also I'm back, sorry. We thought this episode was only going to be 45 minutes. (laughs) Poor Grace. We're going to go back to our last segment, which is trade signings and free agency. That's how we got on this. I remember now. (laughs) So we're going to talk about the Minnesota Wild, who has been making some moves, let me tell you. So they signed defensemen. I'm going to say Jonas Brodin to a seven-year, $42 million contract. That's hefty. That's hefty. If I did my math correctly, that is six million a year. I'm like, I'm like counting on my fingers. Six million, yeah. Yeah, that's six million yeah. a year. And so he set a career high in points with 28, and he led the team in block shots with 112 and averaged uh, 21, 33 minutes a game of ice time per game. So as a defenseman, he's really, really effective and he's really really good and I think it was great for Minnesota to kind of lock him down and kind of set his place uh set his future in place with the team and then obviously we saw that they traded centerman Eric Stahl to the Buffalo Sabres for left winger Marcus Johansson I was I don't know maybe because I'm not like in the know with a lot of these players even though I love free agency and stuff like that but I was kind of surprised to see Eric Stahl leave in this in this I mean, season it's, it's a trade i mean as mu- everybody talks about like the superstar players like even there's been so many times in the past just with montreal they're like we're not going to trade him and then they end up leaving so it all it all depends like the situation yeah it, like i mean I was surprised because after reading his numbers which was 47 points in 66 games which i know is not like a ridiculous amount of points for a centerman because compare him to the other centermen in the league, you know, that's, I guess, relatively low for how many games he played, but he's still, he's still producing and he is Mm -hmm. getting up in his years. And so, I mean, it it was interesting to see that they got him traded, but now that he's going to Buffalo, he's most likely going to be the second centerman behind Jack Eichel. So I think, which is, which is good because when you're thinking of, 
when you're thinking about Buffalo's situation, you're looking at Dylan Cousins and you don't want a guy like him being rushed into a role that big right now. So it would give both Dylan Cousins and a guy like Casey Middlestad time to develop and improve. So for Buffalo, I think it's it's pretty good. I mean, both teams, it ben- this trade benefits them. Oh yeah, 100%. And then Johansson produced a total of 30 points in 60 games. And he can also play that center position that obviously, you know, Minnesota lost here, but he's he plays best at wing. I think it's kind of a one-for-one one here. And overall, I think it's a pretty decent trade. I don't think anybody's too upset by this trade. Yeah. And I think just Minnesota, they're just trying to find another way of getting back back on a path of success and I guess that's by acquiring younger players which yeah, they did in this trade Minnesota does not have an, an a terrible team they have good players I think it's just putting them in the right situation with the right line mates and everything to kind of get their to get their situation you know like set up right in order to I guess keep like just keep playing better in the upcoming seasons and so we're going to go back to the Washington Capitals and we're going to speak about Mr. Braden Holtby. So he is expected to enter free agency. So he's probably, that was, this season was probably his last season as a Washington Capital. But as I was saying before, there are many, many goalies in this, I guess, free agency world. So we have Robin Leonard, we have Anton Kudobin, we have Corey Crawford, you know, and that's just to name a few of them. There's so many more that are available. So I don't know. I don't know who would be shopping around for Braden Holtby. I mean, he, he, he is a great, great goaltender, but he did have a career worst season. You know, he finished the regular season with a 0.897. That's the best thing to do the season before you enter free agency. (laughs) Save percentage. And a 3.11 goals against average. So the thing is is about how much money he's going to be asking for. Because to be honest, I don't think he should be getting a huge amount of money right now. So it's his contract right now? Do either of you have the numbers on that? um google time do I also it? make us a jingle for when we google stuff <laughs> google oh my god i literally searched up hayden hopey am i dumb <laughs> we're having we're having a rough week uh okay so his contract is oh, <laughs> oh my gosh okay ready that's the number so he's signed at a five-year 30 $30,500,000 contract, okay. which included a $3 million signing bonus. And so his average salary is 6.1. I mean, it's not crazy. It's not, it's nothing compared. I mean, it's not as much obviously as flurry, but I mean, I'm surprised that he's getting paid that much money. All I'm saying is whoever he signs with, whether I don't know, maybe if the Capitals do decide to sign him, it's going to be a short-term contract with, it's going to be not, it's not going to be a big contract like he has right now. It's going to be nowhere near the contract he has now. Um, I I think it'll be hard for Braden Holtby to stay with the Capitals, especially if he, if he has a, a number in his head. And Honestly, I don't really think the Capitals need him. I know that I haven't even really hear like their rookie goaltender Samsonov 
posted 0.913 save percentage and 2.55 goals against average. And um, I know that's just off of his rookie season, but I feel like there's a lot of potential there. And with Braden Holtby, I think it's kind of, I think it's time it's for him time. to go. Yeah, to, for him to go somewhere else, you know, play with some other players, you know, get that, you know, salmon back into him, get that way of play that he used to play. So, I don't know. I think I think it's time for the Capitals to kind of say bye bye. Yeah. And welcome and welcome their rookie goaltender as their starter goaltender. <laughs> and so we're gonna move on to the Montreal Canadiens. And so whenever we have a Montreal Canadian segment <laughs> on the show, this I always funny. I always turn back to my trusty, trusty or we always turn back to our trusty, trusty friend Alessia, who's our Habs insider. <laughs> so I'm just gonna relay the information to you guys and then she can give us her honest opinion. So, All right. the Montreal Canadiens signed defenseman Joel Edmondson to a four-year, $14 million contract in exchange for a fifth-round pick. He recorded 20 points, 118 hits, and 91 blocks for the Hurricanes. And Montreal now only, now only has around $9 million available in cap space, which is not a lot, and which will probably go towards giving Max Domi a new contract. But as we said a couple episodes ago, we don't really think Max Domi will be staying with them. I mean, it all it all depends what happens. I mean, we went over it last yeah. episode and past episodes as well. It's all depending on if they would like Max Domi to stay at the center position or if they're comfortable, and he's comfortable playing the wing, even though we know that he's a better setter. Because we all know Max is going to ask for the money that he deserves. And his first two seasons with Montreal, he put up a good amount of points. So I don't, you know, like I kind of side with him when, if, when, and if he asks for a big amount of money. But now Montreal's situation is that, yes, they know Max is a good player, but are they willing to give up? that much of their cap space to sign a guy who might be just playing on the fourth line center or do they make room for him on a second line or a third line to play the wing that's but a anyways, good point that's such a good point but anyways getting back to this trade um in <laughs> how do we like it alessia in What's my your- <laughs> eyes so when we look at the trade because technically when you're looking at the trade it's a fifth round pick for Joel Edmondson, but it's the rights to Joel Edmondson. So getting Joel Edmondson, um, I think it was a good trade. But now when you look at the contract that he got, it's kind of like it's not the best. So, and this is why. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. But I think the trade either gets better or worse, depending on uh, what moves Bergevin has in store, because there's another guy on the team, Ben Chirot, who is a bot, you know, he's on the third pairing, but when he plays good, they bring him up. And that's exactly what Joel Edmondson, he's that type of player. He'll probably not likely see the top four, but when he is on those games and on those like really good games and on those streaks, they'll be able to bring him up. So I think if they give him a spot in the top four or on Montreal's D, which they likely will, Mete, Kulak, or Sherratt, will be moved and what I'm looking at the trade Montreal's need going into this offseason was to acquire some top four D talent um I don't think I don't I don't know if I see Joel Edmondson being 
a key player in Montreal's top D. That's why I think that they're probably going to trade somebody else right now, like Mete, Kulak, or Sherratt. It's kind of hard to tell who it would be because they all, they're all good in their own situations. But the thing that I'm looking at is because a couple of years ago, um, Montreal signed Carl Alsner. And that's what I'm afraid of because they signed him to a huge contract and he just didn't, he didn't produce like the organization wanted him to. And his contract made it very hard and it's still very hard to trade Carl Alsner. So when I'm looking at the contract, it's $3.5 million, similar to what Sherrod is getting. And it's a four year deal. But the thing is now is they actually have a 10 team no trade clause. So if Montreal is not satisfied with how Joel Edmondson is doing in the position they put him in, that no trade clause is going to make it even more difficult. So for me, I think Edmondson is a good player. Um, depending on where Montreal positions him. There was something that came out today um, that was saying that he's likely, he hasn't talked to Claude Julien yet, but Bergevin said it's likely that he's going to be playing with Jeff Petrie, who is in the top four. So that makes things very interesting. Um, but I would have liked to see, and I'm, I'm sure there's more moves coming. I would have liked to see that money going towards a bigger top four defenseman. But like I said, Joel Edmondson will definitely help Montreal. You but that just, I just, Chris? I just want to ask the question really fast. Cause it's my okay. favorite question to ask Alessia. Okay. When you saw this trade, what were your immediate feelings towards Mark Bergevin? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have um, any bad feelings towards Mark Bergevin. To be honest with you, you like I said, Mark, you're safe this week. Like no. I said, Whoa. Um, it's a, it's a good trade. It depends what he's going to back that up with. Okay, so my question for you is, do you think they're overpaying for Edmondson? I think so. I think they are overpaying a bit for him. That's, that's, yeah, I think they are. That's why I said you're giving up a fifth-round pick for Joel Edmondson to his rights, as people kind of worded it. That's good. But now it comes down to the contract and what you're going to give him. I thought the term could have been maybe – three years and I thought the money that they were giving him was a little too high because you also have the exact same not the exact same player but you also have a guy like Ben Sherrod who plays and is in a similar situation to him as well and you also you have a guy like Alexander Romanov coming up as well and you know for sure they're going to give him a spot on the lineup so where does Mete, Kulak, and Sherrod stand in all this I, I don't know one of them, I think, in my mind, is likely to get moved. Well, and that, that was my thing with it, because, like, that is a substantial contract. And to be quite honest with you, in comparison to some other teams, the Habs are kind of heavy on D. Yeah, they, they are. Um, I, I, th- I still think they can do better. Oh, 100%. But like, like any other for, team? For the state that they're in, like, they're not, they're not that bad. So for them to get a defenseman, like you said, who they already have kind of, like, almost a carbon copy of is – was interesting yeah that was that was why it would kind of like I was like okay it's a good trade but now let's look at the contract and what they give him because what I was thinking was give him a short-term contract you know a little around where, what Ben Sherrod is making but not as much because I think they both are making 3.5 million dollars I'm just looking at the like 
the contracts right now, and Ben Sherrod is getting is making three point five uh, a year, so essentially yeah. the same contract as Edmondson. So I don't know because when you look at Montreal Z, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter um, saying, "Well, it's an upgrade on Willette." Well, Willette plays in the AHL. He was brought up. His spot and potentially somebody else's spot in the D is going to be given to Alexander Romanov. So I don't know where this exactly fits. I mean, it's an upgrade for Ouellette, but at the same time, I didn't see Ouellette coming back this season because there's other opportunities to give to guys like Alexander Romanov and Kale Fleury going forward. And also Joel Edmondson got a little bit of a pay raise because his previous contract with Carolina, he was getting 3.1 a year. Which is what I thought it would stay at around there, maybe a bit more. Oh, so only oh. only an extra four hundred thousand dollars a year, no big deal. Only four hundred k. You know what can you buy with four hundred k anyway? Literally nothing. <laughs> but um, and so when you look at his numbers, um, is it really deserving of a pay raise? Uh, I don't really think so. But who knows why Montreal gave him that contract realistically for me for me it's more okay the money yes it could have been less it's more the term and this no trade clause because yeah everybody talks about Carl Alsner and you know he's a great guy but he just didn't produce what Mark Bergevin thought he you know he didn't play like what Mark Bergevin brought him in to do or to play like is what I'm trying to say and now they're kind of burdened by that contract and trying to see what they have to do with him. So that's kind of like, okay, I hope it doesn't turn into that situation. Hear that, Bergevin? You better clean yourself up, redeem your. But hey, your name. He, nothing happens. Bergevin is. On you next week. I mean, <laughs> anything's possible, but he is doing better than what he was doing in the past. This, this, this contract signing it's it's good it could be better though that's all i'm saying I feel like i feel like new listeners who never heard our radio show aren't gonna oh, understand what's going on they're not gonna understand <laughs> so, at all because when we had our radio show it was at the time of the trade deadline um and at that time montreal like a lot of other teams who made it into the play-in kind of situation that the nhl came up with um, they weren't supposed to make the playoffs. So I was hoping that Bergeron would push, would make some some sort of big trade that would help the team sell off some players, and that didn't happen, um, which I wasn't too happy about. But at the same time, I guess it kind of worked out. He was a little upset to say It was least. like it was at least five minutes a week on that radio show that would yeah. just be Alessia yelling, literally at Mark Bergevin. Like, I'm pretty sure she just addressed him. Yeah, I don't think it was ever a conversation with us two. I think it was just her being like, this is what you did wrong. Yeah. And this is why you suck. And this is... Uh, I, I mean, the, girl, the girls know me. I'm very, I'm very critical of the team. And when he yeah. does something good, like, you know, just to say the Jake Allen trade, I thought that was good. I'll give him props for that. Um, when I want the team to make a move or do something i'll just say it and then it that, just that, that's it, just it the got, way it is it got so heavy at one point that i had to defend mark bergevin <laughs> on his behalf 
I'm even, sorry, Mark. Even, you are you are doing better, and you're making me happy. So that's it, ma'am. Title of the episode. I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> you made me mad in the doing. past, but you are redeeming yourself. He he, huh. he definitely is redeeming himself, and. I'm not, like, when I was critical of Mark Bergman, it's not because I, I didn't like all the trades in the past that he made. There were, but there were some things that I wasn't too fond of. I wasn't, it wasn't the greatest. But he's made some great trades, like the Nick Suzuki trade and Thomas Tatar. That's, that was an insane trade. Yeah, some redeeming qualities. We'll so, get that. <laughs> but the, the thing is now they just need to work on developing the players. And, uh, yeah. That's that's about it. I think now we have to have like a like a Montreal kind of segment, you know, Montreal's corner. <laughs> we have to we have to have a Montreal's corner, a Leafs corner, and a small Vegas, Vegas corner. corner. <laughs> no, no, not even Vegas corner, just a Mark Andre Fleury corner. corner. Yeah, because whatever team he goes to next, we already know that Grace is gonna be like Okay, right imagine I'm just buying thinking. a crack in Jersey. In- that was exactly what I was going to say. Imagine Marc-Andre Fleury goes to another expansion team, the Kraken. That would be insane. That would give Grace an opportunity to buy that Kraken jersey because I we all know crazy. we want it. We want it. I honestly don't even – okay. Okay, I know this is going to be, once again, soft script, but I don't know if I – I, this is so opinion, of course. I would want Flurry to go to another expansion team. I don't think it's in his best interest. I think I don't he, think anybody else is going to take him though. But the thing is, like that, just be a waste though. Like, he, like I said, he's turning thirty six. They're gonna. I feel like he just wastes his time and wastes his years. I don't think you know the Kraken probably whatever they could have the same luck as the Golden Knights, as that they they had a really great team and they got really far. But that's, that's also like, because that expansion draft was an absolute yeah. disaster. Yeah. So I was just going to say when uh, it was the first year that Vegas was in the NHL and then they turned things around, I really gave props to them because when you think about the expansion drafts, it's almost like you're thinking of like all the players that were kind of like thrown to the side from their team. So it's like a whole group of players that are like, you know what? Let me prove to that team. Yeah, like angry players. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what – because, like, Vegas wasn't an amazing team with all the players they got from the expansion draft. But there was that kind of fight in them. Like, hey, exactly. let's, prove, let's prove to our teams that they made the wrong decision. And I think that's what kind of fueled that team to go really far. Exactly. Which is really cool to see. So that's why I'm kind of interested to see what the Kraken do. Because I also, feel like it's going to be the same. Jerseys. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. And the branding of that team. Wow. Insane. I think, I think oh my gosh. You know, it'd be so cool now that I'm thinking about it. When the playoffs are sadly over and there's not much hockey to talk about, we could always resort to one episode of speaking about awesome branding and logos. Have some quizzes. Oh my goodness. I'm already thinking. I'm already thinking. Because that's a huge part (laughs) in a team's success. Oh yeah. The branding. The way you present Social media too. We've talked about like even the Hurricanes and their social media. Love their social media. Whoever their social media manager is, I would like to give you a hug. She's going to talk about junior hockey again. Prepare yourselves. Um, <laughs> Go for it. That's my thing with most junior hockey teams, though, is that, like, junior hockey is supposed to be fun. 
I mean, sure, you're getting ready to go to the NHL, but, like, you're 16 to 21, 22, whatever. Oh, that's crazy. Like, have fun (laughs) with it. And that's what I love about some teams in the OHL, like the Generals. Um, The Peterborough Peets are good at it. Who else? The Windsor Spitfires were really good. They're social media teams. Just they make it fun. And especially with a market like the OHL, you have to engage your fans outside of the arena. Of course. Because most of them are in smaller towns, right? So it's you have to try and get fans out and get them engaged. And that's, I think, one of their biggest problems. And not even that. Like, I can even say that, you know, I'm right next to the, you know, the home base for the Mississauga Steelheads. And their fan base is very very tiny they don't have a mm-hmm. lot of fans following that organization and i think it's exactly because of that they they don't do a lot of branding um you know their their games are no longer showed on uh rogers i want to say rogers place or rogers tv whatever that they're broadcasting yes. uh channel and um i don't know i feel like i used to work at that arena it's not it's not specifically catered to the steelheads it's more so catered to the raptors 905 and stuff like that so i don't know it's social media is always going to be a big part but right now in the era that we live in it's so huge especially now yeah and so i don't know it'll be super exciting to see how those world juniors play out and how you know, they incorporate the fans and they incorporate, you know, you know, a little bit of home for every player and to kind of, you know, give the players the same atmosphere as past players had. Because, you know, it, it sucks because whenever the World Juniors are here in Canada, you know, Canadians like flock out to those games like crazy. Like they love turning out to World Juniors games. And I literally get chills just thinking about it. I can't. Like the <laughs> yeah, atmosphere... Is insane in at those games. Like, just remember when the World Juniors were here in Toronto. Those games were incredible, and like that that atmosphere was insane. And so I think it'll be hard for the players because they won't get that same experience. But I'm excited to see how the IIHF uh, puts their own uh, twist on that, especially seeing how the NHL did. You know, those mega boards. You know, like all the humor that they put into the games. So. It'll be really exciting to see. So. Should we do a, a final score update of the Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Islanders oh, before we leave? Please. Even though you'll it's, already know um, how this game ended. Yeah, you'll know. But we don't yet. It's one nothing Islanders. Oh! 15 left in the first. Oh my God. I'll, I'll, Tampa is a really good team, but the Islanders are making a name for themselves. And that's all. Like, I think I, okay. I was the only one who said, when we said Washington, I was like, you know what? I can see the Islanders surprising Washington. And then the Flyers and all, all those other rounds, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it to the Islanders Flyers. I think you two said Flyers, right? Yeah. I said Flyers. because Yeah. And I said, I'm siding with the Islanders because I don't know. They're just Flyers weren't exciting anymore. They weren't, doing much for me yeah and now they're here well no surprise the goal came from Taves um with assists from Anders Lee and Matthew Barzell Matthew Barzell who did the goal come from Taves there's a second Taves yeah there's two of them interesting are they related is he also from Saskatchewan no are they (gasps) 
We're looking that's it up very, again. Google. That's a very unique last like last name. I don't think it that is I, very unique. So I'm okay. So while Grace is researching, I just have to give us props for accurately predicting that the Dallas Stars would go to the final. Thank you very much, and that's all I have to say. For once, <laughs> nice <laughs> team prediction is correct. Yeah, I think af- after <laughs> after my prediction went. Uh, downhill yeah very bad predictions it's hilarious because last season i was telling everybody tampa and dallas like i think they're two really good teams and then that went nowhere and now this year it looks looking like tampa's a great team and dallas is already moving on and i don't so maybe next year it's gonna be colorado (laughs) like who knows Well, there. I think I'm a year behind. Yeah, you are. It's kind of hilarious though because now I'm looking. um, Taves is of no relation to the other Taves. Oh, okay. But I I thought that was. But the situation. Jonathan Taves does have a brother named David Taves, who is also a New York Islanders prospect. Oh. So there's three Taves technically. Interesting. I didn't know he had a brother. uh, Very interesting. Okay. This. this show has kind of been all over the place, uh, but it, but we, we've also been us... all over the place because <laughs> this is week two into uh, online uh, university for us. And I, yeah. the important thing is, I think we made it work pretty well. We, did. we had some flawless, you know, you know, executions done from switching to segment to segment. Got to give us props oh, on that. That was fantastic. <laughs> We're always so good at those. Mm. But, uh, yeah, by the time we talk to you guys next week, we'll have our Stanley Cup final set in place. Our two teams. I really hope it's the Islanders just so we can make our shirts. Shut up. Don't even say that. If if, If it is the Islanders, we know that the jinx is, it's real. It's alive and well. It's alive. Gentlemen. But, yeah, so... Like, we'll have a whole Stanley Cup final to talk about. Our very first Stanley Cup final to talk about. And potentially more trades and more signings. Trades, and signings. hopefully no fire alarms. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be exciting. And maybe we'll talk about the drafts and prospects and junior hockey. So many things to talk about. Come on. And so it'll be exciting to see what this next week brings us. I know that there's going to be plenty of storylines that I'm sure that we'll be talking about and lots of things that will keep the hockey conversation going among the three of us. So once again, thank you guys for listening and keep your sticks on ice and, and your, your heels, heels on the, on the dance, dance floor. floor. <laughs>